Well, good morning, Grace Hill Church. I uh, hope all of you are doing well this morning. Um, I so wish that we could all be together in one big room singing together. I wish that I could actually see your faces versus looking into a camera lens. But this morning, we are just grateful that we can continue to gather together, even though it's virtually, even though it is online. And so do me a favor, get a Bible out and open that up to Luke chapter 6, or if you want to use your phone or something like that, that's fine. But let's all make sure we have God's Word out and in our laps, ready to read together, because as an entire church, even though we are scattered throughout our different homes, we are all going to be studying the same passage of Scripture and thinking about the same things this morning. And so... We're going to jump back in to uh, where we left off last in Luke chapter 6. We've been in a sermon series studying through the Gospel of Luke verse by verse, and so we'll just continue with that this morning. But I want to just begin real quick with a, a quick prayer, just to pray that God would unite all of us, even though we're scattered apart, as we study His Word together. So let's just pray real fast. God, This morning, we would rather be together, and we long for the day, Lord, where we can gather together safely. But God, for right now, we are just grateful that we can still come together in this virtual format, and Lord, we pray that as all of us have the same passage of Scripture open, as all of us are thinking about the same things, Lord, we pray that your Spirit would unite us, and we pray, Lord, that your Spirit would encourage our hearts, grow our faith so that, Lord, when we're finished with this time together, that, Lord, all of us will have a bigger view of who you are and what it means to follow Jesus. Spirit, help us with that this morning. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how do you spot a Christian? How should someone who calls themselves a Christian or a a follower of Jesus, how should they live? What should they look like? Uh, The Bible tells us that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, he begins a process, all right? And And it is a process. It's not instantaneous. It's a lifelong process of transforming us from the inside out. And so, what does that transformation look like? Uh, what evidence is there that that transformation is happening? What fruit does Jesus say his followers will produce? Well, over the last several weeks, we have been studying uh, Luke's recording of the Sermon on the Mount, all right? Sermon on the Mount is a famous sermon given by Jesus. We're studying the Gospel of Luke, and so we're in Luke's version of that sermon. And Luke, Luke gives us, from the Sermon on the Mount, five teachings from Jesus about the kinds of fruit that his followers, Jesus' followers, will produce. So, the first week when we, when we jumped in, the first fruit that we talked about, uh, I referred to it as the long game. That followers of Jesus play the long game. They don't waste their time with the short game. Meaning that we believe that all of God's promises to us and all of the desires of our heart 
are going to be fulfilled ultimately in God's kingdom, not here on, in this world. And so we play the long game. We don't waste our time trying to fill all the desires of our heart with the things of the world. We trust Jesus with that. The second fruit we talked about is that the follower of Jesus is merciful. That when somebody wrongs us or when somebody needs something from us, the instinct of a Christian is mercy, just like God has shown us mercy. And the last thing that we talked about last week was that a follower of Jesus is self-aware. And because they're self-aware, they're aware of the mercy they have received from God, they're not judgmental people. They're not people who go around and condemn others at all. And so those are the three fruits that we've talked about so far. And, And every week as we have been studying these teachings from Jesus, we've also been asking the question, how can I grow these fruits in my life? Uh, How can I see these be produced more in my life? And, And you might have noticed every single week, it seems like the answer to that question is the same for every one of those fruits. Right, if I want to play the long game and not look to the things of the world to fill my soul and the desires of my heart, rather than the kingdom of God, I, I need to become more and more, we said, aware of God's goodness to me. That's how I begin to play the long game, that, that God does want all the desires of my heart to be fulfilled. And in his mercy and in his grace, He's rescued me from this world and secured me in his kingdom forever. So he's good to me, right? If I want to become a more merciful person, I need to become more and more aware of God's goodness to me and the mercy and the grace that he has shown me even when I didn't deserve it. That's how I become more merciful. If I want to become more self-aware who, and a person who doesn't judge others, I need to become more and more aware of God's goodness to me. That even though he knows me perfectly, all of the good and all of the bad, he doesn't condemn me, but rather he has saved me. With every single one of these first three fruits, we produce them more. We grow in this the more we are aware of and the more we rest in God's goodness towards us. Fruit does not grow in the soil of keeping a law. Fruit does not grow in the soil of trying to prove yourself. Guilt does not grow in the soil of guilt and shame. Fruit does not grow in the soil of picking yourself up by your bootstraps and trying to force it. Fruit can only grow in the soil of the safety and the security of the mercy in grace of God. And that is actually the fourth fruit that we are going to talk about this morning as we continue in Luke 6. The fruit of resting in the goodness and the grace of God. It's actually what I'm calling the fruit of treasuring Jesus in our heart. And what we're going to learn this morning is that we will not produce any of these fruits that Jesus teaches us about if we do not treasure 
Jesus in our heart first. So let me show you this in the text. If you have your Bible, go to Luke chapter 6. And we're just going to read a few verses this morning. I'm going to be in verses 43 to 45. Let's read this together. Jesus is continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says this, verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So, Jesus speaks of treasure inside of our heart here. Now, the Greek word there for treasure there is thesauros, right? So, that essentially means storehouse or a treasury. So the English word thesaurus, right? The book of synonyms, it really is. It's a, it's a treasury. It's a storehouse of English words and synonyms. So when Jesus speaks of the treasury of our heart, the storehouse of our heart, what he's talking about is the core motivations and desires in our heart that are in that storehouse that then drive our behavior. They drive what, how we live externally, you could say it that way, right? So the DNA of an apple tree causes the tree to produce the fruit of apples, right? Because that's in the DNA. Well, the treasury of our heart is kind of like the DNA of our fruit, of our behavior, of how we live externally. Whatever is inside the storehouse of our heart is going to determine the fruit that we produce in our behavior. But when I look at an apple tree, I, I, I don't examine its DNA in order to determine that it is an apple tree. No, I identify the apple tree by the fruit, not by looking at the DNA. And this is exactly what Jesus says. And so one of the questions that we might have from our text this morning is, well, how do I know what is in the treasury of my heart? And the probing question that Jesus asks of us is, well, do you seek after the things of this world to satisfy the longings of your heart, or do you trust my kingdom? Because that's a fruit that would identify what is treasured in your heart. Are you a merciful person? Because that's a fruit that identifies the treasury in your heart. Are you self-aware or, or judgmental or do you condemn others? Because that's a fruit that's going to identify the DNA inside your heart. Because the fruit that we produce displays what is in the treasury, what is in the storehouse of our heart. Now, this is where we might get off track. Every single one of us is followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you do have fruit on you that, that displays that 
You treasure Jesus inside of you and that he's in you, that God is doing this work of transformation. And at the very same time, you probably also have fruit, all of us do, that show that we treasure other things inside of our heart as well. And in our desire, here's where we might get off track, in our desire to change our fruit, to to transform more, to try to grow in this because we really want to, we can often get that growth process backwards. See, I identify an apple tree by the fruit hanging on the tree, not by examining its DNA, but I cannot change the DNA of the apple tree by grabbing a pear and nailing it onto an apple tree and expecting it to then change the DNA of the tree. That process is backwards. If you want to change the fruit that an apple tree grows, you've got to change its DNA, which physically in that case is impossible. But in the same way, we cannot begin to bear good fruit in our life by gritting our teeth and doing our best to force ourselves to do things like show mercy, even though I don't want to show mercy, and, and not be judgmental, even though I am judging someone in my heart. No, there, there's actually got to be a transformation of the DNA in our heart that then brings forth the fruit. Because what we treasure in our heart has to change first. And that's the question that I want to answer for us for the remainder of our time this morning. What what does it mean to treasure Jesus in my heart? How do I see more transformation on the inside so there is more transformation on the outside? Because the more I treasure Jesus, the more my life will resemble his life and I'll bear good fruit. What do you think it means to treasure something in your heart? Like, what what does that mean? Let's, Let's drill into that a little bit more. If your heart is this storehouse of all of these motivations and desires, to treasure something is for something to have control and influence over all of those desires and motivations, right? So I was thinking about this, about how we, you know, what, how can I identify what I treasure in my heart? And here's what I think. I think the things that we treasure most in our heart are the things in our life that we cannot fathom living without. All right, so let me give you an easy example from my life. My, my family. I treasure my wife and kids. I just, I treasure my family. I cannot fathom life without them. To even think about life without them is, it's depressing. I can't even picture what that would be like. And here's the thing about what we treasure. These things that we treasure, they're so important to us. They're so much a part of who we are that they become then intertwined with everything else in our life. I organize my entire life around my family because I treasure them. They impact how I'm going to spend my time. They impact the way I'm going to spend money. They impact how I plan and make decisions for my future. They impact every decision I make every single day. 
and because I treasure them, they get the vast majority of my time. Nobody else gets more time. Nothing else gets more time from me than my wife and kids because I treasure them in my heart. Because I treasure them internally, they impact the way I live externally. It's exactly what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. He says this, he says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, right? How does Jesus describe the behavior, or you could say the fruit, of the man who found the treasure? He sold his possessions. He purchased this field because what you treasure internally impacts the way you live externally. And that's fruit. If you want a definition of fruit, here it is. Fruit is the external evidence of what you treasure in your heart. Right, did you get, you get that? So fruit is the external evidence of what you treasure in your heart because that's the DNA inside of you that produces fruit. So what if the thing that you treasured the most out of everything in your life was your wealth? You cannot imagine a life without abundance and being able to live the lifestyle that wealth affords. And the way we know if this is something that we treasure is that it becomes intertwined with everything in our life. So it does impact the way that I spend my time. I devote the majority of my time and my thought and my dreams to expanding this wealth and what I'm going to do with it. It might impact my level of generosity and mercy to others. It might impact how I judge others and who I choose to spend time with. It might impact my willingness to fall in line with the will of God or not. Does God's will for my life line up with my will for the expansion of my wealth? See, because the thing that I treasure is the DNA of my heart and the way it impacts the way I live is the fruit. So what fruit does treasuring wealth produce in our life? Or let's say the thing I treasure most out of everything in my life is my work. And you might think, well, well, Alan, I love my work, but I don't think I treasure it in my heart. Well, let's think about that. I mean, you, maybe, maybe you cannot imagine life without the work that you do. And if it's something you treasure, it becomes intertwined with everything. It becomes the thing that gets most of your time, most of your attention, most of your mental space. It becomes the thing you escape to when you need something to escape to. It becomes the primary rubric through which you decide how you're going to invest your time and your attention in life right? I mean, you can begin to see the fruit that comes from treasuring that in your heart. What if the thing that we treasure the most is the approval of others? Struggle for so many of us, and we cannot fathom life 
where we're rejected by others. It's our greatest fear. And so seeking the approval of others becomes the quest of our life, and it dominates everything. We spend the majority of our mental and emotional energy worrying about what other people think. It takes us long to, to get dressed because the filter of what people might think of us is really hard to get past. Or we replay conversations in our head over and over, assuming the worst about ourselves. Or we can't sleep at night because we're reviewing the personal interactions of the day before or dreading the ones that are coming up in the day ahead. We spend our time and our money and our energy crafting social media images designed to get the affirmation of likes from others, right? All of this, right, it's fruit of the treasure in our heart. And here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that, that he wants to be what you treasure the most in your heart. Like, can you treasure other things in your heart? You know, your family, your job. Well, yeah, you can treasure other things in your heart. But Jesus is saying, no, but I want to be what you treasure the most. I want to be top. And the fruit that comes from treasuring Jesus in your heart is not just some of these fruits that we've been talking about in this time we've been spending in Luke 6. You know, things like mercy and self-awareness and looking to the kingdom of God. But Jesus teaches us about all kinds of different fruits that we produce when we treasure Jesus above all things in our heart. Like the fruit of security that no amount of poverty, no tragedy, and no other person can threaten and steal the security that Jesus gives us that will be in his kingdom. The fruit of having a place to cast our anxieties. The fruit of not needing to hide ourselves or cover up and know that God knows us perfectly. We are perfectly known by God, all of the good, all of the bad, and yet perfectly loved and accepted and adopted into God's family, never to be exiled out again. And the fruit of joy in this life that can't be impacted by circumstances. And the fruit of patience and kindness and love that, that Christ has shown us first. The fruit of having a heavenly purpose and a kingdom assignment from God for why we are here and what we're supposed to be doing during this life that we can devote our whole life to the fruit of being aligned with the will of God in our life and being able to step forward into the unknown knowing that the sovereign God of the universe is guiding our steps. The fruit of being able to grow into a place where our blood pressure isn't as high. The anxiety doesn't keep us awake. Stress can be low. Because as we grow to trust in Jesus, and it takes time and it's a process, He over time slowly just allows us to rest in Him. The fruit of rest. Your heart 
your body, your mind, your soul, your emotions, they were all designed by God to thrive in bearing fruit that comes from a storehouse filled with God. Because you are an image bearer of God. That is how you were designed. That is who you are. And you are in your sweet spots when Jesus is who we treasure and the fruit that we produce comes from that. And if you want to taste true fulfillment and joy and peace in this life, then we must treasure Jesus above anything and everything that this world has to offer. And so the question you might have now is, okay, I get it, Alan. How do I begin to do that? How do I begin to treasure Jesus above everything else? Well, it's the same answer as to how we begin to treasure everything else in our heart. If we were to go back and think through all the things that we do treasure, we have to ask ourselves, how did I get to a place where I began to treasure those things? And the answer is very simple. We invested time with those things. We budgeted more and more and more and more and more time with those things. And thus we began to treasure those things. You cannot treasure Jesus in your heart if you don't invest significant time to be with him. Reading his word, casting your anxieties on him, sitting in silence, listening for his voice, being with your brothers and sisters in Christ and encouraging each other in your faith, reflecting his grace and goodness to each other. One of the fruits of everything that we treasure is that we give it time. Think about it. The thing that you treasure in your heart you devote time to that thing. And so next week, as we talk about the final fruit in Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to give Jesus time in our life and how does that begin to help us to treasure him in our heart and then produce fruit. But for the week ahead, before we jump to the final fruit next week, over this next week, I have an encouragement for you. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Do just a quick audit of your time this week. What gets most of your time and attention? What gets most of your physical time? What gets most of your mental and emotional time? And what does that say about what you treasure most in your heart? How much does... Jesus get? What kind of time does he get in your life? If you can come back next week with, with an idea of the answers to those questions, we're going to really begin to understand what we can do to treasure Jesus in our heart above everything else. So I encourage you to do that this week and come back ready to close out Luke chapter 6 together. Let's pray.
God, this morning as we just think about the storehouse, the, the treasury of our heart, Lord, I Lord, I know it's true of me and I think it's true of, of all of us, God, that when we begin to open up that treasury and look at what's inside, we're going to find a lot of things. There's a lot of things that we treasure. And Lord, it's not all bad. We know that. But Lord, we also know that what you want, what you desire, and what is best for us is that we treasure you above all things. So God, help us to have the self-awareness to identify what we treasure the most in our heart. Help us to have the humility to identify the, the kind of fruit that that bears in our life. And Lord, help us to be people who want to treasure you above all else and are willing to take the necessary steps to do that. We need your help with that, God. And Lord, we want to do that. And the reason why we want to do that is because we want to bring you glory and honor. We know that brings you worship. But Lord, we also want to do that because, Lord, we know you are good and you say this is what is best for us. And we trust you with that, God. So be with us on that journey. And God, we just pray as we end our time now singing together and just declaring with our voices that Jesus is better better than anything that this world has to offer. It is better to treasure him more than anything else in this world. God, I pray as we sing that, you would help our hearts to believe it. We love you, God. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.